Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Hey, uh, thanks for coming back. Seriously. I'm so glad that you're here. Pastor Byron and Anne, on behalf of our senior pastors, Pastor Byron and Anne, we are so glad that you're here. It's like those awkward conversations as a staff as we're preparing for our reopening, we're making sure we're COVID safe and we're doing all the checklists. There's always that awkward question in the background going, is anyone going to come? <laughs> I hope you're still here. So we're so glad that you are here with us. We had a great morning this morning here at Ormo and also down at Gilston and we're just really great and stoked to be back. Thanks for joining us. Tonight, this message I've titled it Lost and Found and my subtitle would be The Untold Message of Adam, The Untold Story of Adam and Eve. I'm just going to get straight into it starting from Genesis 1, and I'm going to read from verse 27 to start off with. It says, So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The beginning, the creation story at the start of our Bible It starts with God creating humanity in his image and in his likeness. I don't know about you, but I find that really encouraging. Anyone? That we bear the image of God. I find that's so encouraging. And and I couldn't tell you the amount of youth messages I've preached about finding our value in what God says about us. He said he created everything, then he stood back and said that it was good. And for young people, a lot of the time I'm encouraging that God thinks you're good. You're created in his image. So many messages like this, but... It goes, it's great for us and it's encouraging for us because I'm someone that's my own worst critic who's like that. Come on, Bluetooth high five up the back there, Martin, thanks for that. Um, I'm my own worst critic and I'm like a bit too analytical about some things. And, but you know where it becomes challenging? It, it's encouraging that we're made in his image, but it becomes challenging when we realize that the rest of the world is as well. Even those people we don't like, even those people we don't get along with, even that person we're mid- Facebook or Instagram message fight with because we have difference of opinion, when we realize that the rest of the world is created in his image too, it's really challenging for us in that moment. The next thing that God did in this story was that he gave them a job to care for the earth. Before it was a political agenda, it was a responsibility given to Adam and Eve and to mankind. Then comes a bit of an expectation and a bit of some ground rules that God set up in Genesis 2, verse 16. Stay with me because I'll get somewhere in a moment. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Everyone say, ouch. Then the story takes a random turn and there's a talking snake that rocks up. And he convinces Eve to eat the fruit, and then Adam followed along, and and then there was consequence. Then then different themes enter the story. The the first couple of themes were creation and responsibility. It was expectations, and then kind of the ground rules or the, the standard that God wanted Adam and Eve to live by. But then different themes enter the story. Themes of deceit, temptation, disobedience, resulting in shame, guilt, eyes opened, and a different worldview. Genesis 3, 7 and 8 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, this is after they ate the fruit, and they knew that they were naked. Everyone say, oh no. 
And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Who has a fiddle leaf fig at home? Anyone? Sorry, it's all about olive trees now, but fiddle leaf figs, like, I was looking at because we got one still in our house, I'm like, man, that's a cool shaped leaf to try and make clothes out of. Anyway, moving along, I wonder if they're fiddle leaf figs. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Does anyone find this funny? They literally make fig leaf clothes for themselves. This is the invention of the camouflage clothing right here. They literally made fig leaf clothes, and then the Bible says that they hid themselves amongst the trees. It's classic. Next time you see someone wearing camouflage, you'll know. You can thank Adam and Eve for that. They hid themselves from God, and I just wonder if the story would have been different if they came to God rather than hiding from God. I wonder if our stories would be different if we chose to be found instead of choosing to be lost. Then, then there became consequences to their disobedience. And the, story, and the story takes another turn, one which I don't like. Just saying. Verse 3, 23, it says, Therefore the Lord God sent them out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground for which he was taken. This story seems to end terribly, would you agree? Adam and Eve created in this bliss, this garden, this almost like heaven on earth. They do the wrong thing and they're kicked out. Humanity removed from the Garden of Eden and seemingly separated from God. It leads us to ask the question, is this the end of the story? Which leads me to ask the question, is this the end of our stories? Is this how the story ends? This doesn't have to be how our story ends. Let me digress and explain why. Are you ready? Moses was the author of Genesis. Do we know that? What do you do now? He wrote it somewhere around 1450 to 1410 BC. Moses authored Exodus. He also authored Leviticus. Sorry, I'm saying Genesis. Genesis. I meant to say Genesis. Genesis then, around the same time he wrote Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, all around the same sort of time. A little later, he wrote the majority of Deuteronomy in about 1407 to 1406 BC. So when Moses wrote Genesis in around 1450 BC, Moses did not know what we know now. Do we understand that? We almost have a 66-book handicap, if you know what I'm talking about. Pastor Byron plays a lot of golf. A good handicap, you might get, you know, negative 9 or something, or negative 18. That means you get one extra shot per hole if it's an 18-hole golf course. We have 66 more books written than Moses did as he sat down to write this account of Genesis in the story. Why is that important? Because the Bible is an unfolding revelation of who God is recorded through experiences and the cultural context of the day when they wrote it. Let me give you an example that pertains to this message I'm trying to talk about today. In John 1:14, it says, and the word became flesh and was COVID safe? No, and dwelt among us, help us out. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what is that saying? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So not only, Moses didn't have the word of God. 
Jesus hadn't come yet. So Jesus is God incarnate. And in the story of Adam and Eve, we almost see that God separates himself from sin. But when God in flesh arrived on the scene, Jesus, he seemed to be attracted to sinners. People that the New Testament recorded as notorious sinners, as outcasts, Jesus seemed to be attracted to them. So we have this polar opposites where in Genesis, in Adam and Eve, God seemed to be separated from sin. In the New Testament, God seemed to be attracted to sin because he knew that he was the answer. God is the answer. Jesus was the fulfillment of the word in flesh. Therefore, we understand clearer than Moses did in his day that sin wasn't separating us from God. Now we realize it's our response. We have a choice, whether we're lost or whether we're found. In Mark chapter 2, 17, the New Living Translation says this. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people do not need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those not who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. A lot of the time, it's the cover-up that holds us back. We can be stuck in our shame. We can be stuck in our inferior thinking or our unworthiness. We can be stuck like Adam and Eve, hiding ourselves in the midst of our circumstances or our challenge. We can be hiding ourselves in our unwillingness to be vulnerable with God. I've been there. Have you been there? When we look at the story through the lens of what we know now, we see glimpses of grace in the harshest of stories. I see sanctification in the story. I see grace in the story. I, feel, I see fulfillment of promise in the story, but not how we thought it would happen. A little bit later on in the story, it says that God made them clothes, which is pretty cool. Who wants some of those? Imagine what that'd sell for today. Genesis 3.21, and for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. This reminds me of the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son, remember it? When the son re returns home after rehearsing the story in his head and he's like, man, if only I go back to my dad's house, he, he left everything that he knew, he wasted all he had and he, he was stuck in the sin and a shameful way of living in that cultural context of the day and he thought, hey, maybe I'll just go back to dad. And the first thing that the dad did in the prodigal son story was to cover his shame, to cover his insecurity, to cover the sign of not being enough or to cover the smell of the sin and the shameful life that he'd been stuck in. This is what God did to Adam and Eve. In the depths of his mind, the prodigal son knew that his father was good. In the depths of our mind, in the depths of our heart, do we know that our God is good? Also in the story of Adam and Eve, God kept the promise. And they still lived with purpose. The purpose was to go forth and multiply. We see in Genesis 4 that Adam and Eve bore sons. You can still be fruitful even if it's in a different location than you thought it would be. Maybe you feel right now where it's like you've missed it. <laughs> Eden is some distant off their memory and you feel that because of the decisions that you've made, you've missed the boat. Can I encourage you this morning? The story of Adam this evening, Adam and Eve shows us that you can have the blessing, you can have the promise in a different place. It wasn't in Eden, but it was still good. Adam and Eve were faced with this question, were they lost or were they found? 
the story of Adam and Eve, it encourages me, like a lot of the book of Genesis does. Because in the harshness of humanity, in a more primitive culture, we see grace, the grace of our God at work in the lives of disobedient humans. This encourages me, why? Because I need some of that. Because we need some of that. When we read the Old Testament, it's easy for us sometimes to go, ouch, has anyone done that? Have you? Or not? Maybe you haven't, that's okay. I'll be vulnerable with you this, this evening. Sometimes we read things in the Testament, it's like, oh God, and it, and it, it challenges our view. It's like, are you, are you really like that, God? Have you ever asked those questions? God, God are you like that? Is that who you are? You see, we read the Old Testament and sometimes we go, oh, but we need to understand that God seems barbaric because the culture was, because humanity was. This is what I'm trying to say. We have 66 more books of Revelation than what Moses did in his day. This is called static appropriation, where we fail to accept that the Bible is an unfolding revelation of who God is to a pinnacle of Jesus Christ in flesh. We fail to realize, I've got it written down here in perfect words, the Bible is a dynamic, progressive revelation of God leading to the final revelation of God, which is the risen Christ. So my question for you, are you going to be lost or is it time to be found? The more I journey through life, the more I realize that God was there pursuing me all along. No matter how far I thought I would run, no matter how far I would turn or run my own way, I'm amazed at the loving kindness of God that was consistently following me throughout my life. So my first point is that we would be found in this moment, right now in this moment, with nothing hidden. Have you ever played hide and seek with kids? Who still does that? We have to up it now because Jethro's getting a bit older. It has to be hide and seek in the dark because that makes it better. And it has to be called hide and seek in the dark. It can't just be called hide and seek. But you know the token stories and you walk into the bedroom and you can see the, the laughing under the doona. We've all seen this. Have we seen this? You can see the curtains shaking because they can't stay still for five seconds. We can, you know. And you know they're there, but you search the whole room. You go into the different room, you search. I almost find like this is what God is like with us sometimes. It's like we think that we can hide. We think that we can have this separate life. And God's not going to see that. I'm just going to do my thing over here. I'm just going to live my life. And, and God's like, going, are you serious? Like, like, like really? Like, nothing's hidden. You see, when we realize, when we increase our awareness of God, it reduces our temptation. When we increase our awareness, it reduces our temptation. When I know that God's with me all the time, when I realize that I don't need to come to church, although I love it because it's awesome, when I realize that God's in my home, that God's in my workplace, that God is everywhere because he is omnipresent, because he's everywhere, I, it increases my awareness of him and it reduces my temptation because I know I can't hide. I can't run. I can't sew camo together and jump behind a tree like Adam and Eve thinking that I'm going to, he's going to not see us. You may be surprised to find that the door to your lostness tonight is locked from the inside. In the midst of your doubts, will you choose to be found? In the midst of your questions, will you choose 
to be found in the midst of your struggle or your wrestle, in the midst of your sin or your failures or your shortcomings, will you choose to be found? Or are you still playing hide and seek with God? In the midst of our mental or physical health challenges, will we be found in that moment? Or are we waiting for the answers? I'm like, no, 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 God, wait till I've got it all together and then I'll come to you. We need to be found in the moment. Number two, we need to be found in repentance. It's not a common word anymore, is it, repentance? Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads us to repentance? Like I was saying before, do you believe that he's good? If we believe that he's good and that he's everywhere, then it's his goodness that leads us to a place of repentance. Repentance requires humility, which is challenging sometimes, would you agree? 2 Chronicles 7, 2 Chronicles 7 14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. Repentance is more than saying, I'm sorry, God. It's more than that. It's setting a new course or a new direction for your life. In grade 11 and 12, I did HP at school. If you may have done the same. And one of, we, did four, we did four sports. It was like touch football, golf, didn't help because I'm still no good at it, um, athletics or something, and orienteering. Is orienteering a random sport to do? Any, can I get a hand up? But it's perfect because our school backed onto this council reserve and there was acres and acres and acres of land out the back. And for assessment, we had to make our own orienteering course. If you haven't done orienteering before, there's probably an app now for it, but we were given a compass <laughs> and a sheet of this direction, you know, 140 degrees, 500 meters, and then you'd go and you'd punch a little ticket and then you'd go to the next place, punch a ticket, punch a ticket, punch a ticket, and we got the opportunity as part of our assessment to build our own orient- orienteering course, which is awesome. I lived like 500 meters from school, so me and my mate got the early, bring a change of clothes, when it was our turn to set it up, in this wetlands, we swum into the middle of the wetlands, put this massive branch up sticking out of the water with the orienteering flag at the top of it. We got changed because we had spare set of clothes and we knew what we are doing. Go to class, acting like it's all cool. And then we had the time of our life watching all of our schoolmates <laughs> either not finishing the course, which was part of their assessment as well because it was ours, which was awesome. Or just soaking wet because we put this thing in the middle of the wetlands. Why do I say that? Because repentance is a bit like orienteering. It's like my life has got me to this point. I traveled all these years at this direction on the compass, at this coordinates, for all these years, and it's got me to this moment here. Repentance is a decision to say, hey, from here, what am I doing? Where am I going to tilt this compass on my life? And what direction am I going to go from here? This is true repentance. Repentance isn't just, I'm sorry. We say sorry all the time. I say sorry too much as a person. But repentance is going, hey, I'm here now. 2020 hasn't been the year I thought it was. For you or for anyone. What what direction do I go from here? God, give me the coordinates you want me to go to. God, give me the bearing and I'll go there right now. God, show me the person you want me to walk to. Give me that code and I'll walk there. God, show me the doors you want me to walk through. 
where do you want me to get my, my ticket punched next? I pray that we would be people that would be found in repentance. For the past is past. Adam and Eve could not change what had happened. They ate the fruit. They were deceived. But the decision now is, are we lost or are we found? Will we be found in repentance or will we be found in our camouflage clothing trying to hide from God? Number three, be found in participation. The thing I love about Christianity is that we all get to play. What I'm doing right now (laughs) is not the fulfillment of Christianity. This is literally someone standing on a stage for the simple fact to encourage us all that we would live out our faith. You're a part of his family. You're a part of this family. Our relationship with, with Jesus or Christianity is better experienced than it is explained. We get to play a part in this continuing and unfolding story. Your experience of the grace of God in your life will bless and help others. Do you believe that? Because I believe it. I want to be someone that's found in participating with God. I don't want to be, yeah, I prayed a prayer once and then I've got my ticket and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Now I get to experience it now. We get to be a part of the family of God now. And you know what? It's awesome because this is a family church with a missions heart. And I want to be a part of that. Do you? So my challenge for you tonight, how are you going to participate? And it doesn't have to be what I do or what you've seen someone else do. You don't need to replant Highway Church in 1995 because it's not 95 and that's already been done. Stop looking at side to side what's been done. What does participation look like for you? I'll give you a clue. It's a combination of your skills your unique gifting, your unique talents, your life experience gives us these sort of soft points. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Our life experience sets us up that our heart breaks for different things than the person beside you. And it motivates us. Can I encourage us that High Word be a church that participates in Christianity, that interacts with our world? Let's stop hiding and let's choose to be found. Because God wants to use us and the promise might not look like you thought it was. It might not even be in the same place that you thought it was. But I believe that the promise is there if we choose to be found and stop hiding. Can I pray? God, I just lift up our church to you. God, I lift up every individual. And God, I just pray, Lord, that tonight something I've spoke about would touch and challenge and motivate us to live for you. God, I just pray right now if anyone's here, God, and they're distant from you, and I guess with what I've said tonight, they would say or they would feel like they're lost. God, I just pray, Lord, that they would be found tonight. I just pray that they would be found tonight. God, I pray for increase in our participation. God, I pray for increase in our repentance. And God, I pray that we would be found by you in this moment. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Why don't we stand and just worship for a moment?